0: Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1 Sponsored by Timber Living Log Cabins For your perfect workspace, living space or hideaway Timberliving.ie
1: Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1 Before we go any further I want to clear something up Brendan in Cork is on very distressed The Banshees of Aaron set in the 80s Did Maeve actually see it? Set in 1923 Does she think there was a civil war in the 80s? I think it was a joke she was making to to the Americans Uh, Now Dr. Austin O'Carroll, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Brendan. And we spoke this time last year and you had pledged on Twitter to do a 5K run uh, within the year, but which is a good achievement for, for anybody. But it, this was a bit more impressive than your standard coach to 5K. Because re- will you just remind us of your kind of journey, to use that word, from uh, not being yeah. able to walk to doing 5K?
0: So I, I have thalidomide, so I have a disability. So um, like I didn't walk until I was the age of five years old. And um, I, I, I did learn to walk, on, and I, at my best, I could probably walk just over a mile. But then from the age of 25, 26, I probably my walking distance had reduced. So around four years ago, I could literally only walk 50 yards. I'd have to w- stop three times to walk 50 yards. Pain? Pain, yeah, pain in my ankles. I'd have to literally, like I used to go down to my local sh- uh, coffee shop, which is 50, uh, 50, 100 yards, and I'd sit on the sides of the road and the pathway just literally three times on the way down there. Uh, from pain in the ankles. Um, You
1: actually thought of having your legs amputated at one point.
0: That's right. I was sort of looking uh, at one stage. I thought I used to see people who had amputations and they used to be able to get around. And I thought, could that make it easier for me? Uh, But um, that wasn't. I actually got advice from a doctor. and That isn't possible because there is phantom limb pain. And that's you don't want to get that.
1: Yeah. uh, yeah, If you have an amputation. So then you had discovered disco dancing, which had kind of changed everything for you.
0: I have to say, I think, I, I think everyone should be doing silent disco dancing. The silent discos. Yeah, it was actually during COVID. Um I w- just um, I had been talking to someone because I had found that I had, I had osteopenia, which is slight thinning of the bones. And I asked this doctor, this older doctor, what's the best thing? And she said, oh, do you like dancing? And I said, yeah. She said, well, just dance 40 minutes twice a week. So uh, right. I said, fantastic. So I, 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 I think I said it to you last year. I go down to my shed, I strip off. Uh, I just have my cycling tights. I tell my kids not to bring their friends in because they'll be mortified. <laughs> and uh, I get down there and I have uh, I do around dancing for around 40 minutes twice a week and I absolutely love it it's, it's, it's not just good for exercise it's great fun so I was doing this and uh, then what happened was around this time last year I, I have a cycling thing I sometimes do cycling as well I could do exercise every day to be honest because uh, I found keeping fit is making a difference and then the cycling thing wasn't working so my daughter had a walking machine I went on it, and the next thing I walked 500 yards and I said this is crazy so that's when I made the pledge like. I thought on Twitter I could have got out of it but unfortunately when I ended up in RTE I thought uh, yeah. bloody hell I'm stuck with it now. So,
1: But come here I believe you were barely off the show here and your sister was onto you saying you're not running
0: 5K. She Absolutely. She said you are not to do that. My sister Claire is a physio and she says yeah because running would put too much stress in my joints. So she says you can walk. So Anyway, I've been training. I started training for the walk and it was going really, really well. But what I found was when I started hitting around two and a half kilometers, I started getting a lot of pain in my joints, uh, particularly the ankles. So I thought maybe this is doing damage if I try and push it too much. So then I changed the challenge um, around uh, November and I said, listen, I'm going to do a, a 1K swim, a 3K walk and a 50K cycle
1: and you did that last saturday so
0: i did that last saturday i was waiting i was supposed to do it in december but it was too icy or it was too wet or it was too windy so last week i got the window of opportunity and went out and did it
1: extraordinary that and 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 people will understand what a fantastic achievement that was for you and you, at the time then you said you might do this run and you might never run again then because of the damage it would do so are you going to continue on with the walking thing or well, actually is that it
0: in a way oh no I'm definitely going to continue I'm not going to continue necessarily walking up to 3k but like over the year it's been it's been actually phenomenal being able to walk because like I wouldn't have been able to walk before so yeah. I can walk down to the local pub um, I can walk to the local coffee shop like I used to be able to do this I was over visiting my daughter she's doing Erasmus in Austrian and I was able to walk around the city like, you know, not, not you know, I take rests along the route, but this I'd never have been able to do. And it was like freedom. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah. Right. And it's, it's, it's seeing the world like I am into cycling. And you, when you cycle, you think, but when you're walking, you, people see and they sort of more likely to catch your eye and chat to you and you just see things differently. So I'm definitely going to keep up the walk, and, and I, but I'm going to do it more like I'm going down to the to the shop, or I'm going to the, you know down to the village. I'll I'll do it. Rod and I have we have a dog, on, uh, which is a controversial subject in our house. So I will walk the dog, keep walking the dog. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: it's phenomenal, you see you know, a lot of us take walking for granted you can't understand how, how it changes your life, your perspective every, every the granular bits of every day and your
0: interactions yeah. with people and everything, amazing yeah. Come
1: here. the other thing you were going to do for your 60th birthday was go to the Pet Shop Boys in Manchester, did you make it?
0: Oh no um, my partner got sick at the oh, last no. minute so we didn't make it over unfortunately, yeah. so we had to cancel but I think they're coming over again um, I saw, yeah. uh, it's over to Ireland so I'm hoping to see if we get you uh, things for that it was a fantastic show as well Do you see Glastonbury they, it's I basically greatest
1: hits banging from start to finish yeah okay sorry I'm, no, I'm, all I'm, I'm tormenting me now um, listen uh, can we talk a bit about chronic pain for a minute because obviously yeah. something you've lived with your whole life and you alluded to there that the keeping fit uh, helps with it do, do you see a lot of it as a doctor
0: as well You see, I I find this uh, difficult because like over the last 15 years, you see more and more people coming out on on, on large amounts of medication. Now, I can, you know, when you meet somebody who's in chronic pain, how do you assess how severe the pain is? I don't know if their pain is much more severe than my pain. But I always feel sad when I see people coming out on this huge amount of medication because uh, I'm not sure, like you often see them come out, but they're not necessarily any better. Mm. So when I meet people coming out on this, I say, listen, you know, if you need pain medication, you need it. But it says, you know, I, I do have chronic pain as well. And I just wonder sometimes is there's more than one route going down, going down the pain medication totally. Because you end up in this highly addictive medication often. They, the things like pregabalin and these um sort of opiate type based. Now, when I say opiate, like codeine or opiate things. Um, yeah. And I say is. I just wonder is there a different way so like I can only speak for me but I tell them what happened for me because it may not be the route for them but for me you know part of my pain was that I was too heavy because that put pressure on my joints so I had to lose weight so I lost 20 kgs weight I found getting fit hugely helped in terms of management of pain and not just in terms of management of pain but pain gets you down it also in terms of management of the mood that's affected by pain so i sort of talked you talk see, to you're be-
1: into a tricky area then yeah. though, because i think a lot of people with chronic pain sometimes feel they're being told it's in their head
0: Oh, uh, no. And
1: that, that or that, like, you know, that it's not quite maybe real. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, no, well, I'm not yeah. saying that. I,
0: yeah. I, I'm saying as a pain is real. Okay. Pain is real. Even if you can't find a clear cause of it, the experience of pain is a real thing. So, yeah. absolutely, absolutely, you need to make it clear you accept that they are experiencing pain and that the pain can be very severe. I just saying, is I think there are more ways that managing that. And sometimes if it's chronic pain, sometimes it's about managing your life to live with that chronic pain. And if there's other ways of managing it, you know, I'm not saying don't use pain medication, but I just say explore these other ways, because I'm not convinced that a lot of people I've seen go down the chronic pain uh, med- medication route are still in chronic pain yeah, and they're suffering the consequences also of the side effects of the medication they're on and they'll find it really hard to get off that medication as well. Is,
1: is And again, like you want to be careful about this not suggesting it, p- yeah. people should accept things or anything. But is a kind of acceptance uh, something that people maybe need to think about?
0: It's accepting that the pain is going to be there long term and you'll have to learn to live with it. So it's like integrating the pain into your life um, in, in a way. And... Yeah. and I mean, this sounds funny, but it's almost like having a relationship with it, recognising it and seeing where you know it's going to affect you and how you manage it and trying to figure out where can you, um, where can you experience fun in life that the pain doesn't affect you. So but it's you about, forget
1: it for, for a little yeah, while, is it? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can forget pain when you're enjoying yourself. I mean, if I dance, I mean, I should never have been able to, even when I had the pain in my joints, I couldn't walk 100 yards. I could go out and dance for three hours and I would be in bits the next day absolutely in bits like I would be I wouldn't be able to walk for the next day but when you're dancing you just don't notice it because all these you're 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 joyous and it's and uh, whether you say it's release of all these uh, internal hormones or whatever it is it doesn't matter you enjoy it and it distracts you and it's worth the pain the next day um and so um so I think it's about learning to integrate it in your life and I'm not saying don't use medication, but what I'm saying is that there's a whole range of things you can do to address pain yeah, rather yeah. than just medication.
1: I, I went to see this kind of pain guru-like, but I always remember the thing he said to me was at the beginning, he said, look, this is a black art, this pain yeah. thing. We don't understand so much about it. Like, we're really yeah. only kind of throwing darts at things. And it's amazing. When you think of all the medicine we have now and developments yeah. and everything, but that it is really still a mystery in lots of ways,
0: like. Well, see, it's a mystery because the reality is when you say you're in pain, I have no idea what you mean by that. And when I, because how do we care? They're both subjective experiences. One to ten or whatever. One to ten. Like, how do you say that your six is my nine? so So, obviously, it's a real thing. I'm not saying that we can't identify it's a real thing and work with that. But just fully understanding how pain affects someone else's life. I cannot. There's no doctor can. But you still can work with the idea that... There are, you know, that there are maybe not doing the, like I think a lot of people are, are just anxious to get rid of it, and sometimes it doesn't go, so you have to learn how to deal with it in a different way and accept it's not going to go. And how do you live with it then?
1: Okay, that's an interesting little diversion. We might come back to that again, which is no sometime problems. because I'm sure it's a, I know it's a big problem for a lot yeah. of people and it dominates their their lives in lots of ways, and I'm they don't get satisfactory kind of outcomes or answers a lot of the time. Listen, going back to the run, you did it for. um <clears throat> charity you set up, GP Care for All. Yeah. Just explain briefly. You you have a huge interest in, I suppose, the intersection between medicine and people's social conditions and stuff. Isn't yeah, it? no, yeah.
0: I I work with people in areas of deprivation and marginalised. So people in in, in poverty and people who are homeless and marginalised, such as such as migrants, etc., travellers, and um, people who use drugs, and. From my perspective, you know, the, one of the, the biggest determinants we know of health is is poverty. Like, you know, you people who live in areas of poverty will die up to 10 years earlier. They live twice as long with chronic illness um, and they live twice as long with multimorbidity, which is more than one chronic illness. OK, so their li- lifespan and their health span. Is just significantly reduced. Poverty, if you really want to improve the health of this nation, you get rid of poverty. It is it, Everyone knows this. It's the biggest determinant of health. Um, and... Unfortunately, there's a well-known law called Tudor Hearts Inverse Care Law, which says people most need a health care are least likely to get it. Okay. So people in areas of deprivation can't access private health care, so they can't. And also, we know that there are less GPs in many of these areas. So I set up a GP training program with another woman, Ming Rao, back in 2009, where we... Um, to, to train GPs to work in areas of deprivation with marginalisation. And they all are working with these fantastic GPs. It was, it was really interesting. When I started, everyone says, don't call it that. And I said, why not? They said, nobody will apply. In fact, we have had the highest amongst the highest amount of applications uh, per, per place since we started. And that's because I think young people do want to make a difference. Yeah. So they're all coming out. We've got them working in areas of deprivation. They're really doing well. But the only thing is they weren't starting new practices in areas of deprivation because starting a practice is really difficult Yeah, and okay. we know there are black spots so we knew the inner city we know West Finglas is an area of around 27,000 people within all in deprivation and there's no GP in that area located uh, we know similar places in Tala um, and other places so what we said was, well, how about we set up a organ, a charity where we could get the funding to set up these practices. We have the GPs. So we set our first one up in Summerhill and we're hoping to set our, our second one up in Finglas in the next uh, six months, a year. Okay. And then we look at other black spots.
1: And if people want to donate or contribute for your extraordinary achievement last Saturday.
0: Okay. I have a GoFundMe page and I'll just share it there which is the programme as well. I OK. Uh, uh,
1: Dr Austin O'Carly, it's always an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much, Brandon. Much appreciated.
1: OK.